Hi there, and thanks for joining us. On this week's podcast, we speak to one bar owner on the challenges facing the industry as they still don't know when they're going to reopen. We speak to the wedding chef who has moved into a very different area and the charity drive for dogs. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. Michael O'Donovan, proprietor of the Castle Bar on South Main Street in Cork. How are you, Michael? I'm good, Jonathan. Keeping bright side out and uh, keeping optimistic for the future, hopefully. I mean, we've had so many bad days. Like, when we're recording this now, we've had two new vaccines that have been announced in the last 24 hours, and, and that's all very positive and exciting. But it doesn't necessarily mean your pub's going to be open any sooner, does it? Um, no, I suppose, look, um, listening to the uh, government, and look, we can all see what the figures uh, daily, and I suppose, more importantly, the hospital fears at the moment, um, we, look, as publicans, anybody in hospitality appreciates public health is the number one um, requirement. So uh, listening to the virologists and the different, uh, I suppose, professionals that are involved in it, we're looking at a prolonged closure for maybe the next uh, the next couple of months. But I suppose I, I am optimistic uh, with all the news of the vaccines and I suppose especially with the fine weather coming and better weather that uh, we'll have a repeat of last year that uh, numbers will decrease uh, I think rapidly when the fine weather comes and hopefully uh, we'll see first uh, maybe dining outside and people able to, to mix outside and then um, hopefully as we move through maybe Q2, Q3 that we might even get some indoor dining and indoor options for our hospitality trade. It's been a very difficult time, Michael, for everybody in the pub trade uh, and the restaurant trade, anyone involved in hospitality. How have you been coping with this? Because uh, everyone else is working in some shape or form, if it's working from home or whatever the case may be. Down to a very basic thing, how are you filling your days? Yeah, I think it's, I suppose, I'm lucky that I have three kids, so homeschooling is um, is uh, you know a big part of our day at the moment. Um, and as I talk to members, I think especially older members, um, elderly people, they're finding it particularly difficult you know, when we went into lockdown, I suppose, one last March, April, uh, when we came out in April with the roadmap in May, um, people were able to do work in the park, paint, you know, you'd get prospects, get your uh, bar set up, sanitising units, so lots to do last summer. And then we had the fall stones on three occasions, but we were working towards targets. We opened then in September, closed in October, and people were kind of working towards hopefully opening in December. Um, I know some of my colleagues, Colleagues got to open. The vast majority didn't get to open. But then we had Christmas to look forward to, where now in January, we're kind of staring at the end of January into February now. You know, potential for a lot of us to be closed, potentially till May, maybe, or beyond. Nobody knows. We don't have a crystal ball. But that's a difficult part, is filling the days right now. And uh, when we do, when I do calls or Zoom calls with members, um, I'm really encouraged them to take up kind of a hobby at the moment and get out for a walk every day just to, to get some headspace and um, like I myself do it every day my wife and kids we go for a 5k walk around the business park here behind us I think it's important to get out get a bit of fresh air get a bit of perspective and and then you drive on with your day um, have you you've no visibility no more than anyone else has as to when your pub will reopen um, in terms of financial support is there enough there 
um, to, to give you some confidence that you'll be able to get through the next few weeks and months? To be quite honest, uh, there's not, uh, Jonathan. Um, you know, up until October, we really had no supports other than that. You know, Fall Ireland gave us a bit of a grant to, to you know, get things prepared. Uh, we got the rates written off um, and that was it, really. Um, but now, thankfully, since the budget on the 13th of October, we got the CRSS, the Covent uh, Restriction Support Scheme. While it's very welcomed, um, but where we are now, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're closing in on 11 months closed uh, for the vast majority of us. The CRSS just doesn't uh, meet your, your weekly outgoings. And, um, you know, like I can say uh, for myself, like my weekly outgoings would be about 500 euros. My CRSS is about 380 euros because uh, you still have your insurance, especially heat at this time, lighting, you know, monitored alarm systems. And um, you have your, your broadband, uh, telephone, etc. Lots of bills still have paid, even though the bar is closed. So like last night, I was talking to a member who's renting a, a property. He's he's getting about, you know, 1200 euros. Uh, something similar to me, uh, a month in his CRSS, but his rent alone is €2,350. So, like, you can do the maths and that, pay your bills on top of that. I'm very lucky I don't have rent or I don't have a mortgage or I don't have a loan to pay on the bar. So the CRSS, as it stands, just, it doesn't meet the bills. And I'm hearing from a lot of members, you know, they'll get to March, they'll get to April, but if it's prolonged after that, a lot of them are in big trouble. A particular member I spoke to last night, He's he's in big trouble after February because he said he just can't pay it. So we're pleading with the government. Uh, we've been asking them and we've met uh, with ministers. And I wrote myself this week to the Taoiseach on behalf of the members here in Cork City, asking him to double the CRSS. Other supports are there, like your EWSS for paying wages. Um, but when we're closed, um, you know, to the vast majority of people, that's not effective at the moment, but that will become necessity when we reopen to give some assurance, you know, for the rest of the year so that people can be supported in jobs because confidence, you know, mightn't just be there when we open up. Uh, we just don't know how long it'll be prolonged. So we'll have to work at getting people back into mm -hmm. our premises. But for the time being, CRF to get us to that point to reopen. Um, how do publicans feel about the fact that the reopening of hospitality that was that was largely blamed for the big spike we had the third wave um and again what i found difficult about that was it, the pubs that i would have seen did everything right uh, but it was people going in and mixing in large groups when they probably shouldn't have been and it's very hard for a bar owner like yourself to police that that was probably what did the damage do you think the the industry got an unfair criticism based on what had happened and what other people had done who weren't running the bar. Yeah, look, uh, I suppose in early December, like uh, like here in Cork, we've about 240 licensed premises from our, you know, survey that we did. There was only 48 uh, premises across the city uh, open for the month of December. Um, demand for them was really high. Like talking to colleagues, you know, when that first weekend they opened on the 7th of December, they had bookings right through nearly to, you know, the because I think it was kind of a kind of anticipated that after New Year's Day, there might be an issue. Um, and it was the perfect storm. Look, you know, they opened on the same week that uh, retail 
opened, streets were busy. Um, you know, the pubs, they really implemented, like I was in a few of them, the, the guidelines. I know some even invested into temperature checks at doors because I saw it. And they really tried to, to, you know, follow the guidelines and do everything right. But I suppose public, some of them, um, some people tried to book tables, you know, and, uh, say two tables of six as was allowed um, to have people have six at a table. And then they try to interact between tables. And I know talking to publicans, they tried to stop it. They tried to move tables. Um, like to, I think the biggest learning out of it is when we do open going forward, we really need the public to buy into this because uh, with their help, we can stay open, hopefully prolonged and hopefully going into the future. We won't have any more lockdowns, but we'll all need to work together on it. Yeah, I mean, the most important thing I'd imagine right now for you guys is that when you open it's for good, that there won't be another stop-start. So w- would publicans be happy to trade off to stay closed for another few weeks to have a bit of confidence that we'll be able to open and stay open maybe closer to the end of the spring? Yeah, that's one thing we've said to to, to ministers in meetings because, uh, look, we, we, we saw it, like I saw it myself when I opened for the six days in September, you know, fridges full, um, stock in like I made a huge financial set at the end of it as you know, thankful breweries took back draft beer but everything packaged that I opened I was with and um, and like I know talking colleagues that closed in December it was a very similar uh, scenario and they had food on top of it uh, they were stuck with so it's a huge financial loss closing our business so we have said look if, if once we get the right supports that's the key, I think, to it. Uh, publicans, are, I think, hospitality across the board would be in favour of staying closed. Once we knew that when we opened, we'd be opening for a prolonged period, that we wouldn't be looking at, you know, maybe you know, five, six, seven weeks open and then having to close again. Uh, we, we'd rather stay closed, as you said, for another extra couple of weeks um, once we, we, we get confidence that we can stay open for a, a long period. Okay, well, look, we wish you and all of your public and colleagues the best luck. I can't wait to get in for a pint, Michael. That 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 is the biggest understatement of the entire day. But look, uh, in the meantime, stay safe. Um, keep going for those walks. Keep dragging the kids with you. Michael O'Donovan, proprietor of the Castle Bar and uh, Cork City spokesperson uh, for the Vintners Federation. Thanks for joining us on Red Business. Thank you, Jonathan. Red Business. All that's best about business in court. Now, my next guest is a chef who came up with a brilliant lockdown baby gift for new parents. Orla McAndrew, how are you? I'm great, Jonathan. Thank you for having me on. Uh, lovely to talk to you. This is a really good idea because when you have a baby, it's all very chaotic and uh, there's loads of people there to help you, but sometimes you forget to eat. So tell us what you came up with. Well, actually... Uh, my my original business, I'm actually a wedding and event caterer. Um, but when COVID hit, my sister was actually quite heavily pregnant. And the only, I couldn't see her, obviously. But the only thing I could do was drive by and fill her little freezer with some nice home-cooked meals. And when that, that sort of developed into a bit of a business idea, and I thought it was something that would be really useful for all the other little uh, mummies and daddies out there who were have who had their hands tied up with new babies so i launched my my um freezer meal offering and um it's been going really well ever since 
Yeah, I mean, your own business, the 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 bottom really fell out of it, didn't it? Because there were no weddings that needed Orla McAndrew to cater them, really. That was it. That was it exactly. And within actually within the first couple of weeks of COVID, I had my my thinking cap on because I just finished my um, my own kitchen out here in the shed of my house, and uh, yeah, there was nothing happening, so I had to get I had to get a bit creative, and I started doing weekend treat boxes and various other offerings and. It's been a really creative year for me and I've found lots of things that worked and lots of things that didn't work. But this this particular offering, I think it's really useful and um, people love just being able to reach out and let people know that they care about them. And that's really, yeah. that's that's why it's working so well for me. It's very difficult for, for couples as well at the moment because you're not allowed into the hospital uh, for the most part. You're allowed in, I think, for the birth or you oh, were until relatively recently. So it, it, it's it, there's a lot of anxiety built in there. Um, and whatever about the mammies uh, who obviously need a lot of care, they might be getting it from the hospital. The, the, the daddies probably need as much support as they can get. Absolutely. Oh, it's a terrible old situation for anybody who's going through, you know, ha- bringing a new baby into the world and not having that kind of support that you're, you'd be used to having. Like you don't have your mom and your sister and everybody else around. So any little bit of help that that is coming your way, I think people are really appreciative of it. At the risk of making me hungry, Orla, what is in this parental <laughs> survival kit? So um, there's I, I have a huge range, actually, but um the, some of the most popular dishes, I have a lamb tagine, there's chicken and broccoli crumble, I have shepherd's pies and lasagnas, then there's little snacky things that are really handy if you've just got your one hand and the baby in the other, but um, sausage rolls and free-range chicken goujons and all sorts of yummies like that. And are you making all of this yourself in your kitchen or are you getting some stuff in, repackaging it and sending it out? How's it working? No, it, no it, it's 100% homemade, handmade um and with love as well, because I genuinely, I think that's what kind of sets me apart as well. I really do think you can taste the love that goes into food without sounding, without wanting to sound too twee, but I, I, I've always felt that. And I, I know from the feedback that I'm getting that um, people are really genuinely blown away with the quality of the food that they're that they're getting. So it's it's a win-win. I'm happy and they're happy. It's been quite the learning curve for you because I presume that for the most part, yeah, you might have done a bit of cooking at home and then brought it to the venue. But now uh, you've got a whole logistical challenge to, to get in front of, i.e. delivery. So how, how does that work? How do you end up delivering all this lovely food? Well, I don't sleep much, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's a fairly full on. I have three little girls at home myself as well. Um, and I suppose the fact that my husband has been able to work from home throughout all the lockdowns has kind of helped a little bit and between us we're managing our the kids and our two businesses but yeah it's it i'm i'm the chief cook and pot washer and deliverer and you name it i do it so um it's full on but you know it we we're a year at it now so i have it down to a fine art and do you think that weddings are going to come back in and become your full-time business again? Are you going to keep going with a little bit of what you're doing now? Have you found a new niche that you didn't think you had in you? Do you know, it's it's interesting. I My whole passion is event catering. I absolutely love the weddings and the buzz and, and being there on somebody's very special day. And this is a curveball that I never envisaged, but it's actually a very viable business. I am enjoying it. Um, it's of value to my customers and it's really helped me to spread awareness of my existence as well. So my hope is that if and when the weddings do come back, that more people now know of my existence and 
they've tasted my food, they've had a little taste, uh, tasty calling card, I like to think of it as. And uh, they'll they'll know that they can rely on me then when when they do have their events in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, sh- I'm sure that people will buy into it because it sounds lovely. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm hungry even thinking of it, and I'm I'm just after having my own lunch. It, <laughs> it, it's not just though for the new parents. Are you 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 do other products as well, and it's all up on the website, is it? Yes, I I've just um, re- with the help of the trading online voucher actually from the LEOs, I just put up a brand new website, um, and all of my offerings are there. I'm actually I'm also doing like a a supper club at the end of each month, so it's a three course meal delivered to your house, so you're you're basically bringing the restaurant into your home and there's full instructions on to how to reheat and replate um and yeah and I, I do care packages for everybody I have cocooning parents as well so that's another um avenue that people are interested in and that have bought off me for so yeah, it's going really, really well, uh, and I'm well, delighted with it. And it's great to break the monotony as well, because there's only so many times you can you, you can look at a, a pasta dish that you've made yourself <laughs> before you get bored of it as well. The uh, website is omcatering.ie. Orla, it's that's fabulous. It. And look, keep going as long as you can, because it's another great example of somebody who could have sat down, uh, bemoaned the situation for 12 months, uh, and gone back to whatever they did in the first place. But for you, you said, that's not for me, and you cracked on with it, and you created this wonderful business effectively out of nothing omcatering.ie Arla McAndrew it's been a pleasure thanks so much for joining us thanks a million Jonathan all the best Red Business Cork's exclusive business podcast now Green Rebel Marine has joined forces with charity My Canine Companion to support families around Ireland living with autism and that gives us a good opportunity to speak to My Canine Companion about what they do Niall Ruddy is their CEO and he's with me now hello Niall hello Jonathan nice to talk to you tell us a little bit about what My Canine Companion does okay well I suppose My Canine Companion our primary service is to provide um, accredited assistance or service dogs to children and young adults with difficulties, and that would be predominantly autism. Now, what the dogs will do for the child is their their first job is safety. So the dog is actually physically attached to the child via belts around the child's waist. So a lot of um, children with autism, unfortunately, would have no sense of danger. So they could actually bolt or run out in front of traffic so the dog is trained to to stay in position when the child goes to bolt um keeping them safe but there's also several other aspects to what the dog can do for the child um companionship is a big one again a lot of those children um a lot of kids with autism would find it very very difficult socially they find it very difficult to make friends and often the the dog is their best friend and unfortunately sometimes only friend yeah, I mean, it's it's fabulous to see these kids out with these dogs because you see the impact that they have in their lives. I mean, they're a stabilising force, as you say, they're a friend. Um, parents really, really see the benefit from when the dog first comes into the home. What is it that causes that connection? Yeah, well, I, I suppose it, it's a very it's a very natural thing. What we find, like we would we would train our dogs a little bit differently to other organisations insofar as. We, we work with the families from day one. So we would be providing each family with a puppy. And we work with that family through the whole training process for up to two years until their dog becomes qualified as a service dog. And that is the first time then that the dog is actually physically attached to the child. 
So the dog and child are actually growing up together. So the bond grows very, very deep over over time. And when you set about this process, uh, how did you come to it? Because I know it's yourself and, and, and your wife, Kleena, uh, were responsible for setting up the charity. Why did you get involved? Sure, well, it's really my wife, Kleena, um, with a bit of help for myself, I suppose. But Kleena was actually the first person in Europe to train a dog specifically for a child with autism. Uh, it was only happening in Canada back in 2003 or the early 2000s. And Kleena travelled to Canada to have a look at their program and do some training over there. She was a qualified um, guide dog trainer before that. Um, so she set up the original program in 2005 in Ireland in, and in Europe, in fact. So how many dogs have you managed in the intervening period to send out? How many families have you helped? We would we provide over 60% of the country's total every year. So we're looking at about 45 dogs a year uh, qualifying, qualifying each year. So we would have about 300 working partnerships out there at the moment. So that would be fully qualified service dogs. We would also have a number of companion dogs that are specifically for the home. We provide therapy services in schools. We have a number of school therapy dogs. That's where dogs are working um, in the schools uh, full time. They'd be with their, their handler would be one of the teachers and the dogs provide services to children on the spectrum in the schools but also um, kids with anxiety, uh, neurotypical children, but with anxiety, the dogs can provide them a lot of assurances. Okay, so these dogs do an awful lot of heavy lifting, and I'm presuming the cost then comes with the training. Um, dogs are hard to come by uh, at the moment in every walk of life, um, but you have to breed them, you have to train them, you have to keep them, um, and you have to cover all the bills. So how much does each dog cost? Well, we keep costs down as low as we can. Uh, we breed all our own dogs at the moment. Uh, over the last couple of years, we have a full breeding program. So all the dogs we have, uh, we provide now are bred through our own program. So that does keep costs down because I suppose, as everybody knows, the cost of puppies over the last couple of years has really been huge. It could cost you 2000 for a puppy these days. So our overall cost, which is a lifetime cost, is €10,000. So that's providing... Was providing the training for the families um, in the early stages when the dog is a puppy. So we would have puppy classes around the country where our families attend. Uh, after about 14, 16 months, those dogs will come in for what you call formal training. So they would be in with us in our base in Blackpool for approximately four months, where they would then qualify as service dogs. After that, the parents will come down and work with us for three days down in Cork. And we will then attend, our trainers will then attend the family home for several attachment visits after that, where the dog is actually physically attached to the child, okay. completing the process. So, as I said, a lot of work going into it. So how important then is it that you have some corporate support from the likes of Green Rebel Marine? Because if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be able to afford the €10,000 lifetime support tag that comes with the dog. And, and fundraising is hugely significant as well. Well, every €10,000 is life-changing for another family around the country, you know. Um, it's... I suppose there's an awful lot of pressure on parents and unfortunately a lot of our funding comes directly from our clients fundraising themselves, which is pretty difficult considering they already have a lot of a lot of difficulties in their lives. So Green Rebel has, has been massive for us. I suppose our link with Green Rebel 
would be um Mark Mark O'Reilly, who is their chief operating officer, is actually um his son Callum is actually a service user um and has the beautiful golden doodle header working with, with their family. Okay, and uh, I think there's been pictures uh, of Heather uh, on the papers in the last few days as well. How do people support you? I mean, I guess corporate support is one thing, but you do need the public to give you a few bob from time to time. So while you have people's ears, what do they need to do now? Yes, Charles, and we'd love if people um, just went along to our website, www.mycaninecompanion.ie. We have a number of fundraising initiatives there. We have a current campaign running, uh, which is walk a mile a day for 30 days. So it's a pretty easy one to get involved with. Uh, it's only 20 euros to register. Um, you go out and walk your mile a day. It's a great bit of exercise and you're helping a worthy cause. Uh, Niall Ruddy, CEO of My K9 Companion. Thank you so much for talking to us and the best of luck. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Thanks for your help. My thanks as always to all of my guests. Don't forget you can download every episode right now from redextra.ie. Myra Hayes-Goff was the producer and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business. All that's best about business in court.